I would invite you to turn in your copies of God's Word, although the, the Word should be on the screen as well, to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. We'll be beginning in verse 9. You know, last week we talked about abiding in Christ. What does it mean to abide in Christ? And we used an illustration about just how crazy our screen time is on our phones in this culture that we live in and how that only seemed to get worse during COVID. And we, we concluded that um, it's not that we don't know how to abide. It's not that we don't know how to dwell. It's that we so often dwell and abide in things that prevent us from abiding in Christ. We talked about what, what, what it means to abide and what God is trying to do in our life. Uh, abiding in Jesus means that we obey Him. Uh, to abide in Jesus is to, is to be obedient to God so that He can produce fruit in us. Um, and, and so this week, what we're looking at is a little deeper. It's like the, the camera lens is... I don't know, is narrowing a little bit, and we're going to have this laser focus on, on what is the fruit that God is trying to produce in our lives? What is the fruit of obedience that, that God is, is trying to produce in our lives? If there is fruit, there is a root. If there is no fruit, there is no root in Christ. If there is bad fruit, there, there might be a bad root. And we, we talked about last week how Jesus presents himself as the true vine. And we have life only when we attach ourselves to the true vine instead of attaching ourselves to these other false vines that, that promise life and health and strength but, but don't deliver I would ask you to read with me as we look at verses 9 through 17. We'll just read all of it together now as we, as we look at this sermon that I've entitled Joy and Mission. Verses 9 through 17 of John 15. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that your joy may be full, I'm sorry, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command you, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. Would you pray with me? God, as we approach your word today, we know that we are standing on holy ground. 
Because when the Bible speaks, you speak. We also know that when we approach the Scriptures, we are standing on dangerous ground. It is a dangerous thing to hear the Word of God and be hearers but not doers. Would you protect us, Lord, from that? Would you, would you soften our hearts? Would you open our hearts to receive the Word of God today so that, that yes, we would be changed by your Word, that we would be changed for the better, that we would respond in obedience and love for you. I pray these things, asking your Holy Spirit to move among us. In the name of Jesus, amen. I'd like for us to circle back and look at verses 9 through 11, really briefly. Verses 9 through 11 says this, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Isn't that interesting? Last week, the whole point of the text was, was that if you love me, you will obey me. This week, the point is, if you obey me, then you will love me. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? I think what God is teaching us here, what Jesus is trying to say, is that there's a kind of spiral to, to our love. The more that we come to love God, the more we want to obey Him. And the more we obey Him, the more that we come to love Him. And then the more that we love Him, the more that we obey Him, and it just keeps going up and up and up like that. I want to tell you a story. For the first seven or eight years that Whitney and I were married, uh, we would go to the beach every year in summer vacation, and I never got in the ocean. I don't like getting in the ocean. Now, we would walk down the beach away, maybe a mile down and a mile back, and I'll get my feet wet. We'd walk kind of there in the surf, but I don't really like getting in the water. But for the last three years, every time we go to the beach, I get in the water. What changed? Did I suddenly stop liking doing what I like to do, which is just sit under the umbrella and read for seven days? Did I suddenly begin to love the ocean? No. What changed was, I have these little boys who love to jump waves with daddy. I mean, they just, I mean, it's like, it doesn't, you know, the wave comes every five or six seconds and it doesn't matter. Every new wave, are we going to make it? Here comes the big, are we going to make it? And daddy jumps just in time to save us from the big bad wave, right? And it's like every wave is just a new experience and joy. What changed for me, what drove me to go out into the water was not that suddenly I began liking the water. It's that I had a new love that, that took over. It's my love for my boys. I love to see that look on their face. So I, a new kind of joy took over and when a new kind of joy takes over, your behavior changes, doesn't it? When a new kind of love and a new kind of joy takes over, our behavior always 
changes. And this is how Jesus seems to be telling us that we understand or we should understand obedience. Obedience isn't this, hey, yeah, Jesus died on the cross, so I guess I need to grit my teeth and pull up my bootstraps and obey him. What Jesus says about obedience is that when you love him, obeying him is no longer a burden. When you come to to be taken over by a new joy, when you come to be taken over by a new set of loves, your behavior changes because you love something new. You begin to love Jesus and you you want to, to obey him. So so here in John 15, it's not just that he tells us to obey him. It's not just that he tells us to abide in him. It's not just that he tells us, hey, love one another. It's that through knowing Christ and through abiding in him, we come to be taken over by a new set of affections by a new set of joys, by a new set of loves, loves and joys and affections that we we used to not have. And so now obedience is what we want to do. That's the mark of a believer, the mark of a believer of having a new set of desires. We no longer want to gratify the desires of the flesh like we used to. We want to gratify our Savior, Jesus Christ, now. See, here's the reason God knows us. He made us. He made us for a certain kind of joy, right? He made us for a God-sized joy. And the thing about a God-sized joy is that God is the only one who can satisfy it. And so what sin is, sin is trying to fill that God-sized hole with other joys, with other loves, with other affections. It's like trying to, one rock at a time, fill up the Grand Canyon. You can just, you can just never do it. There's a God-sized joy that we were meant to live for. And so, and so pursuing happiness and pursuing joy and pursuing love outside of Christ, that's roughly the definition of what sin is. It's trying to satisfy ourselves outside of Jesus when he has created us for a God-sized joy. To sin is to say, hey God, I've heard about your way and that's all well and good, But I would rather go my way because I think it brings more joy. I think that I can bring myself more joy than you can bring me joy. So everything that we do, that all of our brokenness can be explained this way. When a person, when we blow up in the midst of a heated conversation, it's it's because we have a desire to be respected and that desire takes over. It's, we, we, we want to, I don't know, we want to lash out and get the respect that, that we think we deserve. Or, or when a person commits sexual sin, it's because he or she was created for, for a God-sized joy. And instead of, 
Instead of satisfying that joy in God, we want to satisfy it somewhere else. When a person wants to gain more and more possessions or more and more wealth, it's, it's just like throwing a rock in the Grand Canyon trying to fill it up. We're created for a bigger joy and we're trying to fill that hole through lesser loves. But here's the good news. God, in his kindness to us, has given us not just a plan of salvation, but a man of salvation. He has given us himself. He is the only one who can fill that God-sized hole. He is the only one who can satisfy that God-sized joy. And so when we come to Jesus, it's true that those who love him will obey him, but it's also true, friends, that if you want to love Jesus more, start obeying him. That's what the Bible says today. If you, if you find that your love for Jesus seems dull or seems low or seems dead, then, then I would encourage you, the path that John 15 seems to be telling us is, is obey God anyway. Sometimes our hearts follow our hands. Sometimes God can use our obedience to him to stir our affections again. Maybe after a season like COVID, we begin to say things like, oh, I need to get back in church. I need to, you know, get back in the groove. I, I know it's good for me. I know I need to serve. And I remember those days when I used to be committed and serving. And man, those were good days, but just don't do that anymore. Try to work ourselves up into it. John 15 tells us here that at the root, what our need is, our need is not for more gumption. Our need is not for more commitment. Our need is not to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. Our need is to run to the foot of the cross and to ask Jesus, would you fill my love again with the love that you poured out on the cross? so that I can do what I ought to do, not out of drudgery, not out of obligation, but out of joy again. Do you see that? You see that all of life is worship. All of life is living for some kind of joy. By failing to abide in Christ, other loves will always take over. That's why he says abide. Remember that word from last week? It means remain or to dwell or to sit there. And, and we said that, that in the New Testament, that very same Greek word is used for when Paul abided somewhere for two years, right? So this abide is when you sit there for a long time. You just dwell with Jesus. Friends, I think that the way to stir our love again is to abide with Jesus and to say, Lord, I see that I've gotten out of this good path and out of this good groove because other loves have taken over. I repent of these other loves that are taking me away from you. Would you fill me up again with love for you? Help it not to be dry religion. Help it not to be obligation. Help me to follow you again because I genuinely do love you. Friends, that is a prayer that God will answer today. And you can take that to the bank. We were created for joy. Secondly, I'm terrible about telling you what my points are. That was the first point. We were created for joy. 
Secondly, we're created for others. How is it that we show this love for God? How is it that we work this out? Well, God has given us a, a, a pathway in verses 12 and 13. Look with me in verses 12 and 13. The Bible says this, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone should lay down his life for, a, for his friends. What an appropriate way in the providence of God on Memorial Day weekend we come across this passage. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And we see ultimately, he's talking about Jesus here. You are my friends if you do what I command you to do. Here's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, the Father loved the Son in an inexpressible way. And then the Son turned around and showed us love in an inexpressible way when we didn't deserve it, when we were dirty and lost and going far away from Jesus. Romans 3, which we just read about in our Sunday school lesson this morning, Romans 3 says, there is no one who understands, there is no one who seeks for God. That means that if you are in Christ today, it's because God came seeking after you. It's not because you were seeking after Him. And what this says here is that for those who have been changed by this love, the Father loved the Son, the Son showed love to us when we didn't deserve it, that means that we Christians, we should be a people who are marked by love for people that we don't think deserve it. Because God loved us when we didn't deserve it. And he says, love one another. You are my friends if you do what I command you to. Has God given us a special place to display this love? I think so. The Bible says in John 13, 35, they will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Friends, this is why God has given us the church. Not so that we can gather here once a week and, you know, get, get this little experience of, of preaching and singing alone that is important. But it's also so that we can do life with a group of other sinners who have been changed by the same gospel. God has given us a church so that we can come and bump up and rub up against other sinners and, and show them the, the same forgiveness that Jesus showed us. And when the world sees that we are really a gospel people who really do have a book and who really do have a gospel and that gospel has changed us and has changed the way that we relate to one another, that's attractive. That's attractive to those who have not yet come to love Jesus and the gospel. That second point was kind of short, but here's the third. The third is this. We were created for mission. We were created for a, for a different kind of joy, for a God-sized joy, and we were created for one another. We were created to show how we have been changed by our love for one another. And then lastly, we've been created for a mission. I want you to read this with me, verses 16 and 17. These are the words of Jesus. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. So there's a reason for the choosing. 
And I appointed you, what for? So that you should go and bear fruit. And what kind of fruit? So that your fruit should abide. So whatever you ask in the Father's name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. I love how this passage closes. It begins by, by saying, I've spoken these things to you so that my joy may be in you. In other words, when I ask you to obey, I'm, not, I'm asking you to do something that's going to make you full of joy. And that your, your joy may be full. And then it closes by saying, your life has a purpose. If you are in Christ, if you have been called by him, the Bible here uses the language of chosen by God. You've been chosen for a purpose. Your life ha has, a, has a, a trajectory that God intends for it to, to go on. You did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you. That word appointed means ordained or I, I set you apart is the sense that comes through in the original language. I, I appointed you, I, I ordained you, I, I set you apart so that you should go. The, the commentators here, D.A. Carson is one of them. He says that this language here is the language of mission. We should have in the back of our minds the Great Commission that our lives have a purpose, and that purpose is that we should go and tell others so that as we are producing fruit, we tell others about the gospel and, and their lives get changed by the gospel and they begin to pr produce fruit, and that fruit should abide. What is the fruit that abides? Well, the commentators say that what he's talking about here is what happens when you go and share the gospel, that some will believe. And when they believe, they will produce fruit, and that fruit abides, it remains. In other words, it lasts. Most of the fruit that we get when we order fruit for, I don't know, you know, uh, fundraisers or whatever, it's, it's perishable. It has a shelf life. But for Christ, in Christ, when God saves us, He produces fruit in us, and that fruit never perishes. We do not lose our salvation. And, and what Jesus, I believe, is saying here is that if you are in Christ, it's because God has given you a mission. And the mission of your life should be to live for the purpose of the gospel so that others hear about Jesus and that they come to know him through our lives. We have a purpose. That purpose is to go. And that purpose is to bear fruit. And that purpose is to tell others about the gospel. Many times, we're comfortable with the idea of bearing fruit when it means love others, right? That's something we can kind of get our hands around. I can show love to other people. Or bear fruit by attending church. Go to church, that's manageable. It's manageable. Even repenting of sins can repent, we can turn away from our sins if God gives us power. But what this passage tells us today is that there's a step further and it involves the purpose of our life, the purpose we have been created for. We have been created for a mission. All of life 
is a mission trip. I'm already talking about next year, talking with a group of folks about how we can go ahead and be looking ahead to plan a couple mission trips for next year. I mean, something closer by and then something internationally. I would like to take a group to South America uh, if, if uh, circumstances allow. And while it's good to go on mission trips, it's better to recognize that the reason God has saved you is so that your whole life can be a mission trip. Do you see that? God has given you a purpose in your life. And so today as we reflect on this passage, I, I would just ask, how is it that God is producing fruit in you? H have you experienced a change of your joy? Have you come to love Christ or are you still trying to fill that hole with other loves, other joys? Secondly, I would ask, believer, are you living for self or are you living for others? Are you, showing, are you working out that salvation that God has worked in you through showing love to others? And then lastly, I would ask, are you living for that mission? If you were to live for the mission of God, the missio day, the mission of God, what would be different? Maybe I could ask that in a backwards way. If tomorrow you stopped living for the mission of God, would anything in your life change? That's how you can know whether or not you are right now living for the mission of God. Friends, I made reference to this earlier, but since the mid 1800s, the Lord has had people here in Trenton, at Trenton Baptist Church. He's given us a church. He's given us a community. He's given us a gospel. He's given us a mission. We need to live for the mission of God. I would ask you to join in that mission. Ask yourself, what would it require? Ask me, how can I join in that mission? I'd love to tell you some ways so that we can see others come to know Jesus and bear fruit and that that fruit would abide. Would you pray with me? Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for the ability to gather together. Thank you so much for the gospel that you have given us. I thank you, Lord, that you haven't simply saved us to, you know, kind of put us in a, in a waiting room, waiting for our plane to heaven to come in. But you have, you've sent us out on a mission. Our life is to be a mission trip. Our life is to be sharing the gospel. Lord, I pray that we would become increasingly and increasingly an evangelistic church that is ready with the gospel on our lips to tell others about the, the Jesus that has changed us. I confess, Lord, that I need to be more of an evangelist myself. I pray that you would uh, make me bold. I pray that you would make me humble. I pray, that, I pray that you would give me opportunities and help me to seize those opportunities to, to share the gospel explicitly with those that I come into contact with. And Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would go before us as we try to do simple things like handing out water. I pray that that would open the door to tell others about the Jesus that has changed us as we prepare to have a, a, a big week of vacation Bible school and invite people, invite the community onto our campus for free food and, and, and games and fun and ice cream and things like that, I pray that we would be looking for opportunities to have gospel conversations 
because we love Jesus and we have been taken over by a new love and no longer do we fear what other people think of us. We, our only concern is, is showing love to you. Lord, would you train us, train us to live by a new set of joys and by a new set of loves. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.